0: In March 2023, a red team from CISA simulated a malicious cyber attack against a large critical infrastructure organization. The team first conducted an open source research to identify potential targets for spear phishing. Specifically, the team looked for email addresses as well as names that could be used to derive email addresses based on the email naming scheme. The red team sent tailored spear phishing emails to seven targets using commercially available email platforms. The team used the logging and tracking features of one of the platforms to analyze the organization's email filtering defenses and confirm the emails had reached their target inbox. After gaining access and leveraging Active Directory data, the team moved laterally to use forged credentials to move to multiple hosts across different sites in the environment and eventually gained root access to all workstations connected to the organization's mobile device management server. CISA notes that despite having mature security posture, the organization did not detect the red team's activity throughout the assessment, including when the team attempted to trigger a security response. The point is, no matter how mature your security posture might be, bad actors are embedding malware into various document types. So maybe we should stop looking for all the bad content and start looking at the good. Files, they have formats, and perhaps there's a way to extract the good content and place it in a new secure template for delivery to the final recipient without interrupting your organization's productivity. in a moment, we'll hear from someone who's doing just that moving the good content to a secure template. I hope you'll stick around. Welcome to the Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Famosi, and in this episode, I'm talking about CDR, which is Content Disarmament Reconstruction. It's come a long way from the humble beginnings, neutralizing malicious documents by making them all PDFs. Now you can perform CDR without ruining your productivity. So after 73 episodes, I've successfully avoided talking about phishing directly. Part of me feels like phishing is kind of a low-level attack vector, And there are a bunch of security companies that offer solutions, or more often training. But the training, as we know from other episodes, doesn't always work. It's not as effective, because you have to buy even more training. Well, I just don't want to get into that. So I was skeptical when I was pitched my next guest. He wanted to get into the weeds about malicious documents and how they might end up in your inbox or browser. And he wanted to offer a new approach to a relatively old problem.
1: So I'm Aviv Graffi. I'm the CTO and founder of Votero. Votero helps organizations protect themselves from any kind of weaponized content, no matter where it comes from, using a cloud-based service that sanitizes and Clean every content so we can be safely consumed within every using every employee, no matter where he's on Earth.
0: Aviv served in the Israeli Army's 8200 Intelligence Unit. It's the elite of the elite.
1: Sure. So uh, I'm based in Tel Aviv, and uh, I actually am in the security kind of you know industry and uh, uh, an area for the last probably uh, more than uh, 20 years since I was in uh, in high school. I started to be very interested in how things are really working and uh, whether I can uh, make them work differently. Uh, so I started to do some security research and hacking, and I was uh, 16, 17. And when I was got to around the age of 18, as in Israel, every uh, boy and girl needs to uh, do a you know, mandatory service for uh, three plus years. So I was recruited by the intelligence forces, um, one of the units called AT100, uh, which is a uh, a unit that uh, back then it was uh, less known but um, mainly focused on security operations and I was doing for four and something years uh, mostly offensive and defensive uh, security operations Um, and one of the things you learn as part of that experience when you know when you gather a group of 20 something years old, 20 years old uh, boys and girls and you tell them something uh, they're very naive right so tell them uh, go Go get this thing. And, you know, when we're getting old, we're getting more cynical. We're getting more hesitant. But when you're 20 years old, you say, "Okay, we will do that. And there is a magic happening there. And I think that's where I learned that, you know, there is nothing that is uh, really possible because uh, we're doing things that just really, you know, sounds really impossible.
0: So the AU200 had this idea of telling smart kids to go get something. They would literally go get something without a lot of guidance, other than the fact that they needed to return with it. And that means that they're acting like a red team, or the bad actor in some cases, actively trying to acquire some data from another source. Most of the time, we're talking about defensive security solutions. Of course, they stop the threats from getting inside your organization. But offensive, well, that's the opposite. And that doesn't get talked about as much. So I wanted, to, Aviv, to talk a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. So uh, as uh, some of you probably know, um, there are a lot of uh, uh, bad guys, either white hat or black hat, uh, that uh, either tend to uh, review, review security systems and try to, to hack those to fetch information. Uh, and there's some on the other side, uh, there, there are teams that in charge of uh, you know, like in that game, uh, defending those systems from being breached and hacked by, by those guys. So uh, uh, there are two roles that are being uh, played in the industry. Same thing was, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the units. So uh, I was spending a lot of time on uh, defending uh, systems and networks and, uh, and data. And in some of the time I was doing uh, the other role, which, uh, you know, play that game of uh, kind of uh, fetching information from other systems. So I think that's basically uh, the defensive and offensive.
0: So the traditional red team, blue team world, the red team would be the offensive and the blue team, of course, would be defensive.
1: So red team and blue team are more kind of, uh, you know, hacking with the license kind of thing. Uh, So uh, I think that uh, that's more, I would say, uh, getting a target but it's not just necessarily um, like hacking with the license and the access to the to the actual, you know, network. You need to do all the recon, you need to do everything like blindly. So I think it's uh, kind of uh, 10 times probably harder than the retin, uh, that getting uh, some access or some info. Uh, b- but yeah, in terms of that uh, uh, game or jargon, yeah, that will be probably close to Team or blue team.
0: definition, a computer virus needs a malformed document in order to spread. And in the early days of the internet, there were vulnerabilities in Microsoft Word and Outlet, for example, that allowed these early viruses to propagate quickly. Consider the Michelangelo virus, which was spread by floppy disks, followed by, say, I love you, which was spread through email. Part of the problem was that email reader itself, in this case most likely Microsoft Outlook, allowed files marked.doc PPT to be opened without a lot of hassle. There was no need to disrupt productivity and ask a lot of questions about: do you really want to open this document? Do you know what's inside this document? Well, Microsoft eventually saw this abuse and started parsing the attachments much more. Still, Email systems recognized certain extensions, again, like .doc and .ppt and .txt, and knew what applications these were associated with. Yeah, but these same systems didn't really look inside the documents. They were only looking at the extensions. So you could have, for example, iammalicious.exe.doc getting permission to open up in Word. Meanwhile, it's executing i am malicious.exe. So if you think
1: about weaponized document, a lot of uh, first let, let's define what document is. I mean, we all know that um, um, we're exchanging content uh, every day. I mean, uh, we've been sharing for example that uh, podcast uh, uh, description or lineup or whatever we want to, to exchange. I just received a PowerPoint presentation from my, one of my colleagues here and I'm sharing For example, a doctor report with my insurance company because I want to file a claim because I want to get uh, some uh, uh, claim for something. And maybe I will send some uh, um, birthday kind of card, PDF card to my mom saying happy birthday. So we're all exchanging a lot of content uh, in a lot of forms. Mainly it will be, you know, today like uh, PDFs, Word documents, PowerPoints, uh, Excel spreadsheets, but even images or archives are um, yet a document. And those documents, they have a very specific uh, structure. It's usually described by uh, the vendor that that actually created that document. It can be Adobe that manages the PDF format or Microsoft that uh, defining the office suite uh, specification. And there's one thing that is really important to know about uh, documents that the reader, the application that read those documents is actually parsed them. And as part of that parsing process, it's actually a logic of my Microsoft Word that reads that doc uh, or doc X. It actually running some code based on what that structure um, is composed of.
0: This is important. There's the file, which may have a malicious exploit within it, and the reader, which may also have a vulnerability that can be exploited. The reader is expecting the files of a certain structure, which it may or may not get. But, alas, there's the reader. And guess what? Maybe the reader has a vulnerability, too.
1: And if there is a bug or some issue in the reader, that Word document, and I can alter that specification, that Word document, so he will do something that the original developer of Microsoft Word didn't think about, And this might result in vulnerability or exploitation of that vulnerability that will eventually execute code.
0: All this sounds like ancient history. I mean, formats like RTF and Microsoft Word and PowerPoint and Excel, they've been around for decades. And mitigations do exist to prevent the wildfires that we saw in the early 2000s. Yet, these file formats they're still being exploited today.
1: There is one recent example. It uh, was just, you know, on the last few days, we had two uh, new uh, CVEs, vulnerabilities, released by Microsoft. One of them was in RTF document. Now, who is using RTF document these days? The, the reality, that only the bad guys. But why are they doing that? Because Microsoft Word supports RTF as a backward compatibility for 20 or 30 years back when we were using that rich text format. Mm-hmm. Uh, documents. So uh, RTF and in general a lot of uh, outdated or not that uh, common formats are a great playground for the guys. So this is for example one of the reasons uh, why we're still finding those kind of vulnerabilities. So taking that um, uh, what was just released last week by Microsoft as a patch for that vulnerability, taking the RTF document, sending that, sending that as a resume or even as a birthday card. Or even, you know, as uh, um, you know, there were some uh, uh, banks like uh, we had some issues on the last uh, week, right? And if you want, we actually change our account. So uh, this is kind of an instruction how to update your uh, files and sending that as an RTF. And if you send that to an accounting or uh, accounting team, maybe my accounting team, yes, we are working with some of those banks, and we want to know whether we should comply with something. So they will open it. Um, So I think weaponized document, it's not just the RTF, but every kind of content that is followed by a strict specification that is parsed by an application um, can be weaponized and can be used uh, to execute attacks.
0: So back to my example, not only could you append .doc, but you could also just rename it to .zip and get away with it as well. So I am malicious.exe.zip would work on most machines.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can change extension, but even if you'd call, uh, instead of that .rtf, you'd call .uh, .doc, <laughs> still it would be open by the same application. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you can change uh, extension, you can change uh, the name, you can change the icons, uh, but practically under the hood, that's the exact same specification, which uh, might be malformed or maybe specially crafted. Uh, to execute uh, you know that code that can be resolved in a remote code execution so so extension is just you know a nice to have so it can be recognized uh, easily uh, but basically the the threat underneath is still there
0: so what i'm getting to is if i received an email and saw that it was a dot doc i might be like well that's cool i have word i can open it but under the hood as pointed out it might be a rich test text format or some other format entirely. Is there any way that someone could tell that a document is hiding malicious content without extra technology?
1: So, so that's a, a tough question. I think that uh, it's easy to lure uh, the average user. Uh, to think that a certain file uh, is from from that format, uh, but in reality it's a different format. So it's really hard to do that. I would say that probably saving that document and, and uh, making sure that there are no trailing extensions, maybe that's something that can be done, but um, I wouldn't be expecting that from a lot of employees because we're asking our colleagues to do their job and not trying to guess whether something is trying to hack them and i think one of the uh, approaches i i love you know to talk about is how can we turn security into a uh, business enabling kind of security and not as a restrictive security because if you think about phishing awareness campaigns that i'm sure that uh, I'm, I'm i need to do every every year i'm sure that you do and a lot of the audience need to go through those awareness campaigns um, why are we doing that because technology has failed to protect from those kind of uh, phishing scams, and we're trying to move that responsibility to the poor employees and we're telling them you now would spot the phishing and to be honest even if, uh, if uh, even a day after a successful phishing campaign that maybe you know will result in a great score for my department a day after that i'll send everyone here uh, hey guys, this is the new sitting plan starting from tomorrow. I'm sure that everyone want to know where they're going to sit tomorrow. So they will open it. And if someone would send me, hey, there was a problem worrying your paycheck, please fill in the attached form, I would open the attached form because I want to have my paycheck. right? So I, I think that's a kind of a fundamental problem when uh, the industry kind of acknowledging that the technology has failed, so we're trying to Use our humans or employees uh, to do that job. Um, so, th- this is a major problem, and, and I think there are solutions for that, uh, but we need to be open minded for those.
0: So, we talked about Word documents and PowerPoint. So let's talk about another type of document format, PDFs. They were designed to be, well, unchanged, but PDFs, they aren't necessarily more secure. In fact, there are ways to defeat PDFs.
1: I think PDF is one of the, probably that's the most complex uh, uh, file format that is being used in kind of, you know, in business. Uh, And uh, the reason for that is just, you know, been developed for many, many years with tons of extensions. You can have 3D objects within PDFs. You can embed multimedia within PDFs. You can uh, build uh, books with PDF. You can have uh, like uh, uh, billboards uh, size of uh, of advertisement using PDFs. Um, you, you can do almost I mean, anything you want to do with, the, with PDF. It's, it's crazy. And that's why it's very highly complex. And where the format is complex, that's where the bad guys are having a lot of fun. PDFs—they're
0: not more secure. Um, there are vulnerabilities either in the file or in the reader itself. So instead of being secure, PDFs have emerged in phishing campaigns, perhaps because people mistakenly believe that these documents are safe to open.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think, I think have, I've seen that uh, you know a lot of times where PDFs are being used as a attack vector. I must say that a lot of the um, a lot of the vulnerabilities on the last few years, where, I mean, th- the vendors did a great job of uh, sandboxing the PDF readers, So we're seeing uh, less uh, successful attacks, but we we still see, the, uh, you know, highly sophisticated attacks leveraging PDF. I can tell you, for example, um, we used to have uh, PDFs that opening uh, new processes, uh, PDFs that uh, spinning up multimedia or 3D objects that uh, really, you know, steps on something like an image embedded image and do something very sophisticated like we talked before. So PDFs is, is really cool format um, to play with for the bad guys. And one of the things that are really is really interesting, there is a question of, okay, so why you know why can't we just you know remove all that crazy stuff of that uh, PDF? And the answer is that we just can't because the vendors or the, the applications, the, the readers, the PDF readers, manufacturers, they don't don't want to you know to close their market or reduce their you know addressable market. if they would be removing features they might not be used in some organizations still need those so th- there is some tension because the, the application developers want to catch uh, all possible market but they're not really you know security is not their problem in some way.
0: Aviv alluded to images. This is a technique known as steganography, which means hide in plain sight. So what's going on there is the image file format are perfect for this, in that the file specs, they have a lot of unused space allotted. In 2021, someone included different files within an image uploaded to Twitter. Researcher David Buchanan created a tool for generating tweetable polygot. .png files on GitHub. By downloading the image and then changing the extension from .png to .zip, you could obtain different information, a folder. By downloading another image, you could change the file format to .mp3, and you could hear Rick Astley's never going to give you up. One could put either text messages or actual malicious files and embed them within an image that image could be posted to social media. You could hope that people download the image and then infect their machines. So I'm curious, is steganography still used for malicious purposes?
1: So actually, I think it's been known for probably 20 years that you can maybe probably more. I mean, since the, the first day of encryption, maybe probably a hundred years ago, uh, but uh, probably hiding the data or text within uh, images, Uh, this is something that's been done for many, many years. The thing is that it's not just been used to um, leak information out embedded in images, but now it's being used also to embed um, weaponized or malicious code within images. And one of the ideas and and how we see it's being used uh, by the bad guys is that it's usually being supplement supplement to something else. So it can be uh, a script, that is being sent, but the actual malicious content is not in that script. It's just renaming or extracting the malicious part of an image that just sits as attachment next to that script. So if you look at that script, it does not connect to the network. It does not. It does not do anything. You know, malicious. It's just you know, open an image and save an image, and that's it. So I think it's usually being done to hide some more sophisticated. Um, I would say. Uh, uh, Weaponize or malicious code. Uh, and we see that uh, more and more. And that's one use of uh, steganography. But the other way to do that is really exploit a vulnerability in the image reader. Uh, we still see from time to time uh, GIFs or JPEGs and some other formats that uh, they have vulnerability. Let's say in the iPhone um, reader, you, you might be uh, uh, exploiting a vulnerability in the iMessage sending an an image, and that image would contain a malicious code that's embedded in it. Mm -hmm. So leveraging one one of the um, vulnerabilities in GIF, this is one, and the rest of the code has been embedded as pixels within that image. So we see that as well.
0: So it's kind of like a one-two punch. You could get a document that has an image in it, and the document has one vulnerability, but the image might have a script that helps with another vulnerability and so forth.
1: That's correct. As you know, the, the bad guys are trying to avoid those kind of detection. If they would do just, you know, have just one trick, um, they may be caught, and the traditional de- defense probably would stop that. But they're faster and smarter than us, so you know that's that's a game. So they need to hide uh, those signature-based uh, attacks uh, within some other vehicles. It can be stored elsewhere. For example. A word document with uh, something malicious in it may fetch the rest or the second stage of payload from the internet so there are a lot of techniques how to avoid that kind of detection i think i probably need uh, more than a couple of hours to describe those uh, and uh, i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the traditional detection solutions like uh, antivirus, anti malware uh, sandbox um, even the uh, uh, next gen av or ddr they all fail in detecting the new and shiny attacks and, and techniques because they're relying on the history. They're relying on what is known and they cannot really, cannot really expect uh, the future or predict the future.
0: Well, four minutes aside, there still remains the human problem of, well, opening an attachment that maybe you shouldn't have. And there's a degree of spoofing. There's spear phishing, which targets individuals based on previous likes or the fact that they know that they're receiving a particular newsletter. And that content is actually malicious content instead of the legitimate content.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And uh, uh, I get plenty of emails saying, Hey. Uh, please uh, buy some uh, uh, gift gift cards for me and kind of all, a lot of things that uh, spoofed from uh, who I thought it's a colleague or a manager or even a CEO so so yeah this is something that is very common I think the, uh, the idea here is instead of trying to spark the phishing is to really generate the content which is safe as uh, and there are technologies for that uh, one of the technologies, um, it's called the CDR, which is Content Disarmament Reconstruction, which means let's turn the problem on its head. And instead of trying to look for the bad stuff in, in a document, we know that the end user is interested in the content, in the uh, actually charts, text, bookmarks, images. And by generating a safe version of that document, by moving the content to a brand new and safe template of the exact same format, we actually generating finds that look and feel exactly the same, but without that malicious part in it, because we're not looking for any malicious part. It's only the safe content. So CDR is one of the technologies out there. Uh, we're not the only company that uh, that provide those kind of uh, solutions. Uh, but this is one example of how we can really think differently about security and not try to block stuff and not try to let our employees, you know, detect the phishing spot a phishing game, uh, but uh, provides a more enabling, uh, business enabling security.
0: So Aviv had this idea of a template that extracts good content from the bad.
1: So the idea behind uh, content disarmament reconstruction or, or CDR is that you actually want to turn the problem on its head and not necessarily try to detect the bad part in the document or maybe say, yeah, there is a signature in that document that uh, I think is uh, malicious. So the idea is not to try to fetch the best stuff, but take the content itself. And the content can be everything that is visible. Let's say if I have a resume, so I'm interested in the text, I'm interested in maybe the applicant uh, image or picture, I'm interested in the paragraphs. And if I'm taking that content and placing that on a fresh Word document or a PDF document, and placing that on the exact same order with the exact same colors, and I can deliver that replica within milliseconds because that process is, is deterministic. There's no need to run that document through a sandbox, wait for something to happen. It's just being replicating a document. Wow,
0: that's simple. Well, actually, no, it's actually complicated.
1: Obviously, uh, there are some challenges. Um, we went through, I think that's the first generation now of, of uh, CDR technology. The first generation was just very naive. It was just taking that document, uh, Word document, saving that as PDF and delivering PDF. Uh, There's still some vendors in the market that are doing that. And that would result in very secure kind of document and there's nothing bad in it, but it's, it's barely usable. Because if you're expecting a Word document, you're getting a PDF document, say I cannot really edit that. So that usually doesn't work.
0: Again, not great.
1: So that's where the second generation or, sec- or the uh, CDR level two came into play where uh, we said back then, uh, let's drop ev- anything that from the document that might be dangerous. So it can be OLE objects in the office documents. It can be um, uh, macro, VBA macros, right? That uh, uh, bad guys love, love to exploit uh, because it's a piece of software that runs in, in every document. And um, let's deliver that. It, it was okay. But eventually, when you get to a lot of organizations that say, look, I know that uh, you might, maybe you thought that I can drop the BBA macros, but my finance department is still using that. We're getting from Goldman Sachs or from our partners, still getting uh, Excel spreadsheets with macros uh, because that's how we build our automation 20 years ago and it's still working. So we need that.
0: So, why are we still using RTF as a file format? I mean, why, in general, are we using .doc when we should be using .docx? Shouldn't we be deprecating some of these old file formats?
1: So that would probably happen. Uh, um, the only problem is that a lot of organizations, probably the enterprise, the huge enterprises and governments, are still relying on those formats because if you think about the common, the most common format that I can change exchange documents with with you? I do probably Office and PDF. And for example, one of the questions I'm being asked, okay, don't you think that we're all going to move to Google Docs or, or one of the other alternatives at some point? So I said, yes, maybe if, as a consumers that will be fine. But uh, you know, with the law firm, I'm exchanging documents with Word documents. I, I haven't worked with any law firm that sent me Google Docs. Uh, because um, they want to have revision control, they want to have everything like uh, uh, documented and sealed. So I think uh, it will still take some time. And if you would ask why RTF is still supported by uh, Microsoft Word, why can I just remove that? So I think that's the same answer. Because there, are, um, if you think about a lot of document generation software, if you think about insurance companies that they have a system that built 25 years ago. That generates every midnight generates a, a, a report. It might be generating an RTF report, and maybe that will be sent for for their clients or maybe internally. So they're still using that, and and unfortunately, I mean, they cannot really redesign it, or maybe they will be able to redesign it, uh, but it will take some um, some more time. So uh, backward compatibility, it was always you know, a problem. Um, but it was always a requirement by those uh, legacy enterprise organizations out there.
0: The first generation made the documents unusable by changing them to secure PDFs, only we're stripping out macros that wouldn't help with legacy systems that still depend on those.
1: So that's where the CDR, the third generation of CDR, or CDR Level 3, came into play, where we understood that we have to preserve all features uh, within those documents. So taking a Word document, including everything, like the track changes, um, all the objects, doing that recursively, uh, for even extracting the macros, and we, we develop a an, an, uh, machine learning-based uh, engine that can uh, detect benign macros, because we know how benign macros looks like, right? Because we know that macros, usually in Excel spreadsheets, they're manipulating cells, they changing formulas, they may be uh, fetching something but it's basically around the same area, not necessarily spinning up uh, new processes and uh, deleting files from hard drive, right? So we're doing how to do that, uh, we know how to do that, and, and we also in- integrated that into the uh, third generation of uh, CDR, which called positive selection, as we select the good parts of those documents, and then we actually generating the exact same format, with the exact same look and feel. In fact, the users, they don't even know that we were there. So they just just in the document, whether they're coming by email, um, whether they're coming through Slack, through Box, Dropbox, uh, download from the web. It doesn't really matter where the where files are coming from. We have our connectors uh, to do all that process. And the great part with the, those kind of technologies, that is that are really fast, as opposed to sandbox. If you remember those days that we were spinning up a lot of documents in sandbox, we're waiting for something to happen. And if nothing happened for a few minutes, say okay, so maybe that's a benign file. Um, so this uh, the CR process takes milliseconds as opposed to uh, you know minutes. Uh, so that's that's the point where we're telling the business: look, you one you're saving time. The second thing, you you know, saving a lot of frustration because you're telling the employees you can now open any document without the thing think twice. And I think this is the this is the I think the significant significant value of uh, integrating a technology uh, like CDR.
0: So Aviv has done pen testing. He's played the role of the red team where he's tried to get into an organization and penetrate them penetrate their defenses by using email and other methods. He knows this world full well.
1: So I, w- I was actually, when I uh, launched Votero, it wasn't really, uh, you know, um, it was a kind of a different business. I wanted to do something. It was more services and, and auditing and pen testing. That's what I was doing for uh, the first two years. And I was, you know, I was traveling around the world and uh, reviewing uh, IT security configurations and policies and uh, interviewing IT staff. And I was, you know, demonstrating to, the, to my client uh, what are the weak points in his infrastructure. And usually I was demonstrating how I could hack that. And um, so I would say that this is, was the first two years probably the company. And uh, since then I found that there was one technique that actually was working for me 100% of the time, which mainly, in, you know, involving taking a weaponized document uh, which I was you know, renaming as, a, for example, a resume, sending that to the recruiting team of my client and saying, hey, I want to apply to a position. I know Rob, and uh, please, I mean, I'll be happy to provide a reference, uh, so uh, please call me. And on the other side, there is a guy or lady that needs to screen hundreds of resumes a week in order to do the job, and they were just opening that weaponized document, and it was just working 100%. The times, and that's where I understood that there's some tension between productivity and security, and, and that's the point where I I came up with the idea, which what is today you know uh, called Material. And as a
0: pen tester, Aviv, he's got stories to tell.
1: So I think there's one cool technique uh, that I want to share with the with the audience. Uh, one of Material's uh, customer, it's uh, a large insurance company. Um, they actually had they were working with a law firm and that insurance companies about your customers so they they were saying okay we're protected uh, and uh, that law firm that um, was their partner they actually uh, got hacked someone hacked their office 65 one of the mailboxes in their office 65 using a phishing credentials kind of theft uh, you know the, uh, the usual one uh, that those bad guys did something very very clever they actually logged in into that uh, hacked mailbox and they saw that one of uh, those email threads uh, is that was with the insurance company that happened to be our customer. And by just replying on that thread, because they saw, okay, they were changing a uh, draft of a contract. They were replying and say, Hey, I've attached the latest version of our contract and it's in the attached file. And by the way, uh, the password for the attached zips is, uh, that, uh, that that's a password and the interesting part here is that uh, that employee that insurance company received that email and if you would ask them the usual question um, do you know the sender you'd say yes of course i know the sender i'm talking with her every every day have you expected a document or something from it yes of course I ex- i'm expecting a document we're exchanging those uh, contract drafts for the last two weeks so so even the phishing awareness campaigns uh, or training, uh, they're not really helpful for that. Uh, but the interesting part is that uh, those bad guys, they encrypted that malicious Word document in a zip file. And by encrypting a Word document within a zip file, it's actually they bypassed all traditional security solutions because they cannot really scan or do anything with a password protected document or archive. So eventually it, it lands in his mailbox and he opened that zip file with a password. Now, what luckily we introduced like a few um, months before that we introduced a new process that we detect those password protected documents and we tell them, we're telling the end user, hey, there was a password protected document that um, you were ex- expecting, right? If you know the password, type it here. So it's by typing the, the document password, we decrypted the, the password. We Sanitize or or we disarm that document and then re encrypt it with the same password, delivering that to his mailbox. So, luckily, when he opened that document, it it decrypted with the same password and the document was safe. But I think this is actually demonstrates the level of sophistication and they're so determined uh, to really uh, launch a successful attack that they're doing stuff that are really, really impressive. Uh, And and that's why I I believe that we all need to be minded for that uh, and we all need to think about how we can really employ more proactive and business and maybe solutions because we cannot really, you know, throw everything on our employees and tell them, you will spot a phishing. All
0: right. I'd like to thank Aviv Grafi for coming on the show and talking about file formats and documents. We're getting under the hood. We're looking at where the maliciousness lies and... He's got a way to fix that. It's an interesting concept, looking for the good and trying to put it into a secure template, as opposed to blocking all the bad. Maybe this becomes a paradigm for other security solutions, where we begin to single out all the good and peel away the bad. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend. I bet there are others who like commercial-free narrative infosec podcasts. I have so many stories about hackers who are making a positive difference in the world. And be sure to check out Error Code, my new podcast that focuses on IoT and embedded security. Error Code is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep this conversation going. DM me at robertvamosi at infosec.exchange on Mastodon or at robertvamosi on Twitter. And tell me what you like and even what you don't. The Hacker Mine is brought to you commercial-free by For All Secure. For The Hacker Mine, I'm Robert Famosi.